0: Hi, and hello everyone. It's the big sports show, the big 550 KTRS, the talk of St. Louis. Brendan, we Sports sports is from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Ben Fredrickson on Monday night. Brand new week, glad you are with us. And coming up at eight, we're gonna talk some college hoops. Our valley on the big 550 program, just one week left of the regular season in the MVC. Next week at this time, we'll have a bracket to talk about, oh baby, champ week which is basically two weeks of conference tournament basketball really kicking off with Arch Madness here in St. Louis. Can't wait to get to that. We've also got spring training baseball with a full weekend of results. And, hey, wouldn't you know it, the Cardinals pushed to make a move today. They're busy, busy. And they've signed a former All-Star. It's uh, just a former All-Star that got cut here recently by the Giants, that being Brandon Crawford, to play shortstop, backup up Mason Wind. Ben, it's crazy times down in Jupiter.
1: How are you? Good, man, good. Yeah, kind of contending the uh, Cardinals trend here of bringing in um, marquee-named veterans of recent seasons who are in kind of now reserve mode. Um, but the Cardinals... Uh, are kind of doing something interesting here. They're really kind of rounding out their roster. Their fifth starter, you could argue, is Lance Lynn, who's a guy who's been uh, been a, a really strong pitcher for years, and people are wondering, can he still do it? You've got Matt Carpenter as kind of your last man on the bench, a multiple-time All-Star. Here comes Brandon Craw- Crawford as your reserve shortstop, a three-time All-Star, two-time, two-time World Series champion. The Cardinals are kind of trying to make the last pieces on their roster guys who have championship level experience all-star credentials and i think they feel like it will help some of the young guys on this team and uh and give them some some been there done that experience for some of the younger players around so i don't hate it um it's fair to wonder what brandon crawford has left after his age 36 season um he had a an OPS plus that was, uh, you know, what, 30 plus percent below league average last year hasn't been uh, an above average league hitter since he was a last all star appearance in 2021. <clears throat> I think the, the the big picture here, and I think we got to start here, man, is this doesn't exactly scream positive things about Tommy Edmonds' return from his injury and his offseason surgery. If they were 100% confident that Tommy Edmonds Edmund was going to be good to go, when games counted with his swing, that I don't think this move probably happens today.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of dominoes in play here, Ben, a lot of moving parts, one being Edmonds' availability, the fact that he's, uh, I guess, not close to being able to participate in any Spring training drills or activities being one. I also want you know what does it say about Mason? Wynn? this comes 24 hours after we talked about it. Ben on Sports Sunday, Wynn goes out minutes later and has three hits, a double, yeah. a stolen base. Looked great, made a great play in the field as well. But it does make you wonder how the if the Cardinals are just not not to say they don't have the utmost confidence in Wynn. Like you said, they they're. They've basically gone out and made it crystal clear. Mason Wynn isn't competing for a job. He is the starting shortstop, barring some unforeseen circumstances. But if Edmund is compromised, you certainly do not have anyone that could be slated to to grab a start or two if Wynn is down or if if he's struggling. This move, to me... I mean, I don't hate it either. It is, it is a move that you, know, you look at a guy like Brandon Crawford, you almost wonder, man, how, ha- how has he not been a Cardinal already throughout his career? He just looks <laughs> well, he's like been, a Cardinal he's been
1: spending his entire career with the, with the with Giants. The Giants. Yeah. The Cardinal edition of, of the Giants. In some ways he was kind of like uh, Matt Carpenter of the, of the Giants. Um, and then uh, now he's, now he's a Cardinal along with Matt Carpenter. Um Look, this guy can pick it. Like there's no debate there. I think his defense He used is, to. He used to. His defense is probably still pretty decent. Um and he's willing now to play pretty much wherever. The offense is fair to to question um from the from the left side of the plate. Um but uh you know, I think uh, it's more or less to me a guy that's going to be on the team until the team gets fully healthy and then they figure out what to do. Um, now here's the interesting thing is like what happens if if Tommy Edmund gets healthy, he's producing, if Mason Wynn is holding down the job, then does this turn into Brandon Crawford versus Matt Carpenter for for a bench spot and one of them's gotta go? Um that, that would be that would be kind of fascinating if uh if if that becomes the case. But I think more the other thing it does is it kind of underscores what the Cardinals don't feel like they have, which is, you know, they don't I guess they don't feel like Sag- Saga is ready, the guy who who really per- performed well in the minors last season. He's kind of a utility guy in the uh, trade deadline pickup. And unfortunately for a guy like Jose Fermin, it pretty much means the Cardinals don't trust him to be able to be the backup shortstop. So the fact that they had to go out and add somebody for this tells you they don't feel really good about what they have right away in their minors. Right, it doesn't.
0: But let's also say this, Ben, and I just got done talking to Martin about this at the end of last hour when it comes to Matt Carpenter. He seems to have this vibe, and I guess, I I mean, I see it out there. Is there just an assumption that Carpenter's on this team? And just because you signed Brandon Crawford today, that doesn't mean he's got to be on this team two or three weeks later, even before the the season starts. I mean, at, at the absolute worst he is your stopgap at shortstop. And if, every, if if you're able to check off the boxes, if Edmund comes back healthy, if Fermin or... Sag- hey, spring training just started. How many at-bats have these guys have and they're already writing off Sagacy and Fermin that they're not going to be able to impact this team? If, they've got several weeks to show what they may be able to do. Crawford's got time if he, when he shows up to camp to show either... Maybe he is washed up and can't do it anymore just because the Cardinals are making this move today, it doesn't lock Crawford in for the season or even a single game of this regular season. And I feel like that applies to Matt Carpenter as well. I, I don't feel like he's a lock, Ben, to be on this ball club. If he shows he can't do it, and outside of that month after he showed up to the Yankees a couple seasons back, guy is he's basically hit like he did here in town at the end of his career. It appears to be over. So if if they show they've got something left or if the cardinals need um, some depth at shortstop crawford can certainly fill that gap and maybe carpenter can can still swing it a little bit that's fine but i for one am going coming from the perspective these guys are not shoe-ins to make the team just because they signed a minor league contract or a uh, or even a one-year major league contract, the, the, the Cardinals will not be locked into keeping these guys on the roster. At least they shouldn't be.
1: Well, I think they'll probably be on to start as long as they're healthy. Now, where they are at the all-star break or in the second half of the season is is a fair, fair question. Um, you usually don't bring in veteran guys on major league contracts, then ditch them if they're healthy. Um, and that doesn't seem like usually something the Cardinals would – would would be looking to do um, just based off of how they tend to handle veteran players. Um, Now, if you get to – if one of them is not healthy, like Matt Carpenter was scratched from a game today, I think he got hit with a pitch on the wrist. So at least it wasn't the Matt Carpenter back tightness that we're so used to seeing at spring training. Um, I I think it buys them some time to get into the season, um, especially if they've got some questions about admin. But, yeah, I mean, there could be churn. And and there could be tough decisions to make, and and I think they'd prefer it. I think if you're you're talking to to Ali Marmol, you'd probably tell you, look, these are benched guys that if when push comes to shove, I don't hate the idea of being able to go to guys who've been all-stars and World Series champions on my bench for a big at-bat here and there. And maybe their numbers aren't as good last season as some people would have liked, but there's some muscle memory there in big moments and something good to be said of of veteran guys who are willing to take lesser roles and kind of teach maybe some of the younger guys a way to go about it. It's been pretty clear in talking to the folks in and around this team that they felt like they had a real kind of gulch when it came to both on the field experience and kind of some, some leadership qualities. He can bring certainly a good amount of that into the, into the group as well. And I think the, the Cardinals fan, the cynic goes, well, these guys are going to eat up all these opportunities. I don't think that's the plan with either one of these two. They're, they're there to be depth guys.
0: And you don't think this would, say, impact Alec Burleson's ability to make the roster, do you? Ben?
1: Sorry, I lost, lost you for a second. No, no, I'm here. I'm here. Um, I got you.
0: Alec Burleson, does it, does, does this affect – potentially impact his ability to make the ball club bat i i quite frankly don't care what he hits this spring he could hit 350 or 190 i want to see burleson on the big league roster as one of your last bats off the bench
1: well it's getting tight now because i know i I understand (laughs) yeah carrying carpenter and um and crawford to start then then that might have been the spot that was kind of um, reserved for 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 him. Now, what you could do is you can send Alec Burleson to Memphis and and if you have a need for a uh you know, a corner outfielder type, then he's the first man up. And then your the argument for that is he's playing, he's hitting, he's not sitting and not getting an opportunity. And then you bring him in if you need him. and you will need him because guys are gonna get hurt. <laughs> Especially if Edmund isn't playing right away, then that means Carlson, I guess, is your center fielder. Um when that's what that's your fourth outfielder then playing as a starter, so you're even more thin in the outfield. But I think I think if you're if you are Alec Burleson and you see left handed hitting Brandon Crawford show up to Camp Tuesday, you're wondering where your spot is a little bit. I just want to go
0: on record now. I, I, I don't think it's a shoe-in that Crawford and Carpenter, even if healthy, are on this roster on opening day, if they don't produce. I will say I am, however, very intrigued by what Crawford could bring you. Like I, I hope. Even if Edmund makes this team, or makes the team out of spring and is ready to go, Crawford is really intriguing. And his defensive numbers weren't as good last year. He had the worst year of his career, which is easy to explain why he's not back in San Francisco. But here's something, Ben, that I did not expect to find when going through his stats this afternoon. Brandon Crawford finished in the MVP of the National League. Finished in the top five MVP in twenty twenty-one. That's just a few seasons ago. He had a tremendous year. So he's not that far removed from a really productive year and a tough ballpark to hit in out in San Francisco. He is a left-handed bat. He's crafty. I think he understands what it takes to to be in a winning clubhouse. And we talk all about these leadership ability, the leadership ability and intangibles what's to say you have to keep both Crawford and Carpenter Uh, Crawford's one. I, I am, I am really intrigued by this move today. And if he can't go, he can't go. And, and like I said, it, then, then don't bring him to camp if you don't, or don't bring him up North if you don't have to. But I am really fascinated by what he could bring Ben, because he's got a nice track record playing with a very successful organization and this is not just a, a throwaway name. I, I I think some fans today are like, oh, here we go again. Cardinals signing some old geezer to play shortstop. I I, I think it's I think it's a little beyond that, and I, I think it's I think it's potentially a, a shrewd move by John Mozeliak and company that Crawford Crawford could help this team, and if it's helping this team just for a couple months, so be it this is to reiterate for the 10th time it feels like here uh this is you're not signing away for the entire season or two full seasons from Brandon Crawford. He may only have to help you for a couple months but
1: it could could be quite a value. Yeah, I mean I, I don't think it hurt this doesn't hurt anything um at all. You got a clear spot on the 40 man form so what? The Cardinals you know treat the 40 man spots like they're like they're like they're diamonds sometimes. Um churn can be good and this has got a lot of experience who seems open to the role there's a possibility they can have your guy alec burleson on the bench with him so that would be a lot of lefties on the bench but you know the, the, there's a spot open um now who it goes to is going to be uh is going to be something they can compete for in camp um and you're right it may put at some point crawford and carpenter kind of up against one another to be to be the odd man out um we'll see which way it rolls carpenter can't play as many positions as crawford so right um, it, w- it would be great if one of them one of them or both of them hit well this spring um but this is you know you and i just the other night we're talking about <clears throat> how things can get kind of wonky if wind doesn't shine at shortstop and edmund doesn't start in center and one day later here we are, here we are. wondering about okay well what does this look like because look crawford i think you know i think crawford is better than his defensive numbers suggested last season that's been the case of his career this guy's won multiple gold gloves but the idea that, that he's going to, he's going to be as good as Win should be, um, or that Carlson, let's be, let's be clear here, that Carlson is going to bring you, you know, the the kind of consistent defense that Edmund has showed in center field. Maybe he can, maybe he can't, but he had an opportunity to win that job last year and didn't do it. And that's why Edmund is there. And Carlson leaves a lot to be desired at times with his, with his offense. So we're already kind of wondering, all right, w- which way could this shake out and, I'll say this. My takeaway when I saw this first thing was, man, I don't like that Tommy Edmund came to winter warm-up and we didn't hear a real definitive timetable on when they were hoping he would take live swings, and it seems like that's still the case today. Yeah. Yeah. They don't know when he's going to be able to take live swings, and it's February 26, and the Grapefruit League games have started. And that's that, to me, is kind of the, the reason, the quiet reason a move like this gets made.
0: It Right. It's... But it, it, it addresses it addresses your backup shortstop, which Edmund was was going to be if if Carlson can't cut it out in the outfield, Ben, it doesn't necessarily help you there unless Victor Scott's in well, in the conversation. <clears throat> which I guess after a very brief weekend, he did show the wheels and what he's capable of doing. So maybe it has to speed up his timetable too. That's the thing. I mean, you bring in some veterans to help to, to obviously fill the gap in certain spots, but this. Organization has got all of these young options, and I hope they're given fair chances. And and if they're not ready to play, they're not ready to play. But I think Victor Scott's gonna uh, fascinate a lot of people, and what his skill set is gonna remind folks of from uh, many moons ago when it comes to Cardinal baseball. You'd love to see him maybe be given a shot. I mean, I've said from day one, Tommy Edmond is, uh, is is a tremendous ball player, but big picture-wise, is he the guy you imagine playing center field for the next five to ten years? No. I don't know if I envision him playing center field for the next two or three years. He's also sort of in this stopgap role, but he certainly fills it well if, if, if he's got to be the one you roll out there. But if circumstances dictate it, I'd love to see Victor Scott uh, put a halt to all of those conversations and uh, and if even if it's just in a in a brief audition, show what he can do. And he's got time here in spring training because it, it, it appears like there are going to be some unexpected opportunities that are suddenly maybe available.
1: The hope internally is that Victor Scott is the guy who eventually stops the turnstile at center field for the Cardinals. Yeah, and can be the guy who. It leads to seasons where every spring you don't show up and go, who's going to play shortstop this year for the Cardinals? It has not been a position of of continuity since John Jay held it down. The closest they've had is since then is Harrison Bader, and he didn't last all that long when you actually look back at it. The hope is that Victor Scott can do that. I don't think the Cardinals would like it to be this season to start, but who knows? Um, this is an opportunity for him to – Take spring, take spring by storm, um, to go steal every base, to go make outstanding plays, to prove that his offense can be something that deserves maybe a shot. I don't think it'll come right away, but uh, if you're if you're believed to be the center fielder of the future, then you're close enough to take things that uh, that you can't change and bend them to your will with your play, and and that should be his challenge: is to be the guy this spring that everybody's talking about. Last season, like we were with Mason Wynn, who took an advantage of a WBC altered spring and forced the Cardinals hand to give him a chance late last year, one that he's now benefited from. So that's 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 the opportunity that's right there for Victor Scott. And every time that Tommy Edmond doesn't swing, it's a chance for him to. To to maybe expedite that timeline a little bit,
0: but I think for, I mean normally spring training Ben everything's generally worked out, and for younger guys, it's about using it as a stage to compile reps, compile at bats, and have a, a body of work to show a, a month's worth a, a month's worth of games to put out there. It's not that often where, hey, here's a realistic window that might open up yeah. that I could play in the big leagues and contribute. And you, you think back to, and I'm not saying, I, I'm I'm not comparing him to this player, but Albert Pujols was given a chance back in 2001 because Bobby Bonilla couldn't make the big league roster. Somebody again, a veteran that was signed in the offseason, he expected. Bobby to and eventually Bobby Bo did play for the Cardinals, but he didn't start the season. Opened the door for holes to make the rest the roster, and the rest is history. So for Victor Scott, there's again this small, just little window of opportunity where maybe he can slide in there and uh, and show what he can do, and, and realize this is that this is kind of. Uh, an audition now and sure. maybe there's a chance for him to stick and uh, and actually contribute right now
1: or, or do something there this spring that gets you there faster, you know, um, that, that gets you that opportunity quicker, maybe not at the start of the season, but later on in the year um, you're, you're always playing to shorten a timeline, whether it's immediate or, or nearing. And I think with, with Scott, they feel like his defense is ready. Um, they know his speed is, um, the question is, I think under under scrutiny at spring is going to be his bat. Anything he can do to make noise at the plate is going to help his case,
0: right? He's not a ready-made hitter, Ben. His street or his strengths will be uh, running the bases, will be defense in center field, and if the bat is still a work in progress at this point, Ben, it, yeah, it would be hard for him to to make an opening day roster, but. That's what, that's what spring training is for. And, again, a lot of moving pieces today. The breaking news, Brandon Crawford, nothing official, but looks to be signing a one-year deal. Tommy Edmond, when his debut or when he's – again, the ability just to swing a bat up in the air – And here we are, Ben, just a few days into spring training. Plenty of talking points to get into. I've got a few more questions for you when we come back from this commercial break. Talking some baseball on this Monday night. We're talking college hoops at 8 o'clock tonight. It's the Valley on the Big 550 KTRS. Stay tuned for that. We've got more coming up here on the Big 550.
1: Back to the Big Sports Show with Brendan and Ben Fred on the Big 550
0: KTRS. Coming up on 733, Big Sports Show continues. Brendan and Ben Fred with you. Weekend number one of spring training in the books for the Cardinals, at least in terms of spring training games. Um, their rival to the north, which has – who has their spring training out in Arizona, the Chicago Cubs, busy kind of under the cloak of darkness, Ben, going out and signing Cody Bellinger on Saturday night, the much-rumored reunion after his one-year stay last year uh, reinvigorated his career somewhat back in Chicago – Dynamite move for the Cubbies. Quite frankly, I think Bellinger, when right, is an MVP caliber candidate. Left-handed hitter, decent enough defense in the outfield for a Cubs team that I felt like probably didn't do quite enough yet this off-season. Uh, a, a move, Ben, I think, springboards them
1: right back into the into the discussion for NL Central favorites with the Cardinals. I think it's yeah they're right in there in that crowded mix and I put the Cardinals in there the Cubs in there I think the I think the Reds, Reds can be in there yeah. um, you know they got a young team that made moved the needle a little bit last year <clears throat> I don't I think the Brewers probably took a step back but you know the Brewers are always kind of hanging around uh, you hate to really count them out so I could see it just being a jumbled mass and I'm not quite trusting the Pirates yet but they could be kind of pesky if they get their young third, their young uh, shortstop back and they've made some bullpen additions. So it looks like a very kind of clustered division without a very high ceiling, which could mean it's close, right? If there's not a, if if the Cardinals are projected by most to win it at what 85 wins um, and the Cubs just added last year, I think Bellinger was like a four war type player. I don't know if he'll do that again but uh, I think it's going kind to of be kind of a jumbled mess. Uh, but this is a, a kind of a – it reminds me a little bit of when the Cubs brought Dexter Fowler back uh, that year before he um, before he became a Cardinal. Um, this is a three-year deal for Bellinger. It uh, may be a little shorter than he hoped initially, but one of the Boris guys finally cracks. So now everybody wants to know if that means Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery could be – going next, but I think it makes sense for the Cubs by waiting. Maybe they get a little bit better terms. Um, I'll be curious to see if Bellinger can repeat because he was really good last year, 133 OPS plus he had 26 homers. It was his best season by far since that 2019 season. You mentioned he's only entering his age 28 season. Is there a chance he actually is potentially better this year than we've ever seen him before? Now that he's a little more comfortable knows the lay of the land in Chicago. He kind of tailed off the last time he had a season as good as he did last year. I think it's a significant bet to say, okay, they're trusting him. He's more mature now. Maybe he can handle success better. But uh, there were no complaints last year. He played 130 games and uh, gave him about four wins above replacement. I think you can tell by their reaction today that they're glad to have him back.
0: Yeah, I would be, be thrilled to have him back. And he's had an interesting career arc where he was the best player in the league, had just an outstanding 2019 MVP season for the Dodgers and fell out of favor so much to where he became a platoon player, been yeah. a part-time player in LA. It was, it was, it was crazy hitting at the bottom of their lineup. It was such a precipitous fall. And now he does appear to be comfortable and, I think you made the best point of all there. He's still super young to where you figured he might have three to five MVP caliber seasons still to come. And I think for Chicago to get him on a short-term I would view it as a bargain contract for somebody you uh, you plan on sticking in the middle of your lineup for the next three years. It's a win for Bellinger. It's a win for the Cubs. And, no, did Cody get the, the, the monster contract he was looking for? He did not. But coming off of that run he had in L.A., Ben, it was going to be difficult for him to get that kind of deal. I, I think he got uh, a lot better than anybody thought he'd get a year ago coming off that run with with the Dodgers so I, I think he should I think he should be happy maybe not content of, was, was there uh, an opt-out clause in that contract yeah, I think he's got a
1: couple really. yeah yeah so it's kind of the it's kind of the Scott Boris settle where right. you don't get the mega deal but you're gonna have it chocked full of opt-outs where if he has a you know if he has an MVP year again he could be on the free agent market again and uh, if the cubs probably be fine with that you know the cubs would probably gladly pay him for one mvp season and then you know not pay him for more if he decides to leave it it makes me wonder what these pitcher deals are going to look like for a jordan montgomery and a blake snell are they going to take similar type deals different players obviously but here's the deal man like these teams are now going to have a start having a legitimate point. Teams that are still interested in Jordan Montgomery, teams that are still interested in Blake Snell, they're now going to have a legitimate point of like how ready are you going to be for this season if you if you haven't agreed to a deal soon? Because these guys are starting to make their starts in spring. They're starting to get stretched out against live hitters. Yep. You can work out on your own. That's fine. But we've seen you know during work stoppages during the pandemic like how disruptive a non-normal spring training can be to pitchers and if you wait too long then teams may just say look we don't trust we don't trust you to be able to help us this season so we're not going to pay you for you know we're not going to count this season what we pay you for and that's going to leave them with markets that are maybe impacted I, I was pushing back against this idea that Snell, and Montgomery were going to get themselves in a bad spot here by playing the Boris waiting game. But the longer this spring goes and they don't have deals, I do think it hurts pitchers way more than position players.
0: Yeah, and, and, and who is ultimately to blame here, Ben? Is it Boris or is it is it baseball and at, at times – slower than they want free agent uh, movement because there are plenty of other contracts that have been agreed to. And and these two guys are still out here waiting. the defending Cy Young award winner in the national league, still out here waiting as we're ready to turn the calendar to March. That seems crazy. Montgomery is, is somewhat understandable because his track record is pretty muddled. It, it, It last year was his breakthrough season and he's been pretty inconsistent up until that point. For Blake Snell, the dude's got two Cy Youngs, and you you know what you're getting. He's not a workhorse arm that's going to get you 200-plus innings. You might get 170, but you know when he's right, the the guy's going to shut down the opposition, and maybe that's not worth $200 million, but you'd think it'd be worth somewhere between 100 and 150 from uh, from Blake Snell's uh, perspective. Maybe he's looking for more than that, but... I I think each of their cases are a little unique and a little different, but it is surprising. We're about ready to turn the calendar and uh, they are still unsigned.
1: Yeah. I'm almost, I'm almost like more surprised that Montgomery hasn't signed because if you're Blake snow and you want to hold out because I'm the Cy Young award winner. Okay. Like maybe that, maybe that gets some team to take a big bite. Montgomery has pitched for two different teams since 2022 and pitched very well, pitched great in St. Louis for, a season plus, and then was really good for a team that won the world series championship. Why he didn't say, look, I want to, I want to know where I'm going. Let's get this thing done. I'm not the biggest name on the, on the pitching market. I'd like to get a good deal in hand and go to work. I I think he's misplayed it. Perhaps we'll see how he pitches. I think he wanted to go back to Texas and Texas got all tied up with this TV money, not knowing what it was going to have. And it's, uh, it's delayed things. Where does the blame go? it doesn't go on scott boris these guys pay scott boris it's on the players if the players want to have a home they tell their agent whether it's scott boris or joel wolf or or anybody else they say go get me a deal let's get this thing done and i want an answer so that that to me i don't mean to defend scott boris like he has a playbook his players choose to follow it and they're his clients Um, they're they're ultimately deciding to give a hefty portion of their deals to him. So if they want to speed this up, they have offers out there. They can tell Scott to get a deal done and that they want to maybe take less to know where they're going. They're trusting him to play this out, and he's not the one who's got to go figure out how to pitch in, in a short amount of time. He's not the one who's going to be wearing it if they get a big deal, but they go and stink in the first half of their first season on the place that handed them a five-year deal. So sometimes I think players should be a little more involved in telling the agent to, hey, wrap it up. We've had all offseason to get our best offers. Let's put into paper here.
0: I feel silly even asking, but no shot the Cardinals are in either one of these guys in on either one.
1: <clears throat> well, I, the Cardinals have, I don't think they want, I don't think they feel like Blake Snell fits what they're, is all about and trying to get quality and depth and they want guys who and i don't think they want to pay what for that i think they're they're i've always wondered if if the if the jordan montgomery market gets um weird if they could be in on that they've said they're not done talking about starting but it seems like they are and it seems like it would be a long shot so i i would be surprised i, I don't think snell would be an option i would be very surprised if jordan montgomery returns as one
0: two more things for you before we uh, wrap it up for tonight that you know sort of moving back to this Brandon Crawford the news of the day it looks like he's signing with the Cardinals and will be part of the mix on the middle infield. I, I, I'm getting this vibes on social media that the Cardinals are just out here searching for these old guys. These old guys. This is going to be an old team. Ben, just look at the position players not named Arenado or Goldschmidt that you expect to start. Everybody's in their 20s. The the prospects that are coming up. You know you. Now, you can argue they need to utilize these guys more, as we talked about earlier, but I really believe this is going to be a super young and uh, exciting nucleus, and the, the oldest players playing every day, we think, for the Cardinals, are your two MVP candidates on the corners of the infield. So, uh, we, now, pitching's a different story, and the Cardinals went out there and signed guys that they hoped could could fill some innings, and we'll see if any of the younger guys end up stepping up. But from a position player perspective, Ben, I I think this is going to be a young and dynamic team.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at Mason and Jordan Walker, um, Lars Newtbar, Brendan Donovan, who continues to be a guy that guys say they're looking up to. Um, you know, I, I think that Victor Scott can be right around that that corner. So there's young athleticism on this team and it shouldn't be overshadowed by the old arms. And you gotta remember Carpenter, Crawford, these guys are brought in as as reserve guys. Um now, opportunities, maybe they maybe things performance changes things, but this doesn't feel like one of those things where the Cardinals are leaning on these guys to be the stars of the show. The Cardinals are needing their young guys to be the stars of the show. And yep. If they're not, then it's not going to be the old guys' fault. It's going to be the old guys trying to pick up where the young guys didn't deliver. This team is ripe for new faces to emerge, and the young guys are more than more than encouraged to go and take this thing and run with it. So another
0: interesting development from today, uh, the Cardinals' former top pick back in, I think, 2022. And help me with the name, Ben, is it Cooper Jerpy? Yeah, Her- Yerpy, yeah, Erpey. Yerpy. 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 Cooper Yerpy didn't pitch last year, right, and made his 2024 debut today, struck out four over two innings. He's a lefty. Got to imagine he's not ready right this second, but he kind of follows that pattern of what the Cardinals did once upon a time. Go find those young projectable arms from the collegiate ranks that can fly through the system and maybe help you at the big league level a couple years after they're drafted. Well, this would fall into a couple years after Yerpy was drafted out of, what, Oregon State? So um, I don't think he's a contender to make the team out of spring training. But, Ben, he'd be a fascinating upgrade to the bullpen if needed midway and beyond through this upcoming season uh, I again if if he is fully recovered but the fact that he's already out there pitching right now health-wise I got to imagine he's okay and again he, he follows that old playbook and I, I I don't think he'd be a factor in the rotation at this point but lefty the way he throws coming out of the bullpen could be very intriguing
1: well, I think he's a, an arm that a lot of people wonder what, what happened to that guy. Right. Uh, he got hurt. Um, that's what that's what happened to him. He had an elbow injury, but college player who was very proven, um, got drafted by the Cardinals, and the hope was like, hey, he'll be ready soon. He's yeah. A, he's a very experienced college player, and then he got the setback. Um, it's good that he's front and center at spring training. He's 22. He was a 22nd. Uh, overall pick and got hurt last season in the high a priori rotation but good good amount of strikeouts um before the injury he's got a delivery kind of a funky delivery that reminds me a lot of chris sale um for folks who kind of know what chris sales delivery looks like it's kind of a a little deceptive long lanky um and uh he was doing some good stuff before before his injury. So yeah, throw him in the name, in the group of, of, of intriguing rising arms. Um, it's jerpy like with the hard J, um, pronounced. I think I mispronounced that on the beginning of of our conversation about him, but I think we, I I think we went uh, uh, four or five
0: different ways there. So (laughs) we hit hit it once. We hit it
1: once. Right. But Cooper jerpy. Um, if you've seen him, you go, huh, that's interesting. And I think that's exactly where you put him as a guy who's like, okay, can he hold his health? Can he start to mow down some guys in the minors? Because you hope that that's what he was able to would be able to do last season, but the injury slowed him down. So if he starts putting up some numbers that are eye catching, I think he could be on a fast track because he's old and he's got experience. And the Cardinals drafted him with the hope that he'd be in the majors sooner rather than later.
0: Ben, I lied. One final question for you. Yeah. I pulled a uh, a pink Caitlin Clark. Basketball card over the weekend. Right. Should I go and go and cash my millions right now and and just set sail for the Caribbean <laughs> and, and call it a career? I mean, what what am I doing here?
1: What's the value on that thing? Oh, Have I don't you know. It's, it out.
0: Yeah, it's, I don't think it's worth all that much. But okay, uh, well, can we
1: get it autographed?
0: Well, it. I was hoping to pull one of the the, the cards that were autographed. It's a oh. uh, it's the Bowman Well maybe you we
1: autographed by the bozo who tried to uh, run her over to Oh my court gosh. Storming. Are we going to have can I ask you a question Do we got time? Are we going to see Court Storming's banned in college basketball? Should let's we?
0: uh let's let's revisit that tomorrow, shall we?
1: Okay, cuz I got to figure out how I want him to stop it cuz okay. I don't have a good answer though. I don't
0: have a good answer either on that. Um I, I do find it curious and, and rather in, in entertaining the folks that are blaming Filipowski of Duke for what happened as he had dozens of idiots running towards him. Yeah, and, what, do and to do? what do you Exactly. What is he supposed to do other than maybe try and defend himself? And it, if it winds up him pushing somebody, sorry, uh, yeah, get out of the way. Yeah. get Get out of the guy's way. Ridiculous. Let's talk about that tomorrow. Anything you're working on for the paper, buddy?
1: Well, I've got a column up about the Mizzou AD search and why, out of all this talk, understandably so, about the friction and frustration at Mizzou, it's still a pretty dang good job, and I think there'll be some interested, interesting candidates.
0: I was happy not to have to talk about Mizzou tonight. Progress, <laughs> progress. Um, Spring um,
1: ball's right around the corner, uh, though, Indeed,
0: man. it's here. It's here. We'll be talking about that throughout the week, I'm sure. Ben, I appreciate it. We'll yak at you tomorrow. Sounds good, man. Talk then. That's Ben. I'm Brendan. Wrapping up the hour after this.